Considering the subject matter of Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk, the hosts recommend using discretion when allowing anyone under the age of 17 to listen. Listener discretion is advised. On this episode of Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk, Rick and Stephen talk the new UFO task force. The Department of Defense announced rolling out a new group tasked with finding and identifying UFOs in restricted airspace. Dan Eckroyd takes credit for paranormal teams and shows and they welcome a special guest, paranormal investigator Gail Stibitz of Episodium Paranormal to the show. Right now on Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk. Welcome one and all to a new episode of the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with your hosts, ghost hunters and authors, Stephen Lancaster and myself, Rick Hale. Hey, Stephen, how you doing? I am fantastic, Rick. Episode 31. 31. Yes, we're kicking ass. We're taking names. That's and, right. And we got a great guest today, Gail Stibitz of Episodium. Episidium, I, I can never say it right. How do you say it? It's I think I think it's episidium. episidium? I actually looked up yeah, episidium. I actually looked that uh, up. What that means? It has something to do with funerals. So yeah, like a, like a, a cool dirge name. or a requiem, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I did the same thing. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is an episidarium? It sounds like some <laughs> kind of surgical procedure. Okay, Stephen, say it with me. What's that? Epa. Epa. C. C. Diem. Diem. You still cannot say it I, right. It's just one of those words, man. This is what I have to put up with. Yeah. Well, anyway, so we've got a couple things we want to cover before the wonderful Gail Stibitz comes on the show from Episodarium right. uh, Paranormal. And you know what? It's funny, too, because I could be saying it wrong, too. So, but we'll we, find we, out. We, we, will, we will find out from, from Gail. We will find out. I'm looking forward to this interview. She She's a fun gal. Um, but yeah, Rick, there's some UFO news and we got some Dan Aykroyd news. Um, why why don't you bring people up to speed on what's going on with the UFOs? Yeah. Well, first off, I'd just like to say, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. I know I did. Steven, did you? Yeah. You know what? I actually hardly ate. Really? Yeah. I mean, I I make, I make my famous meatballs Mm -hmm. and the reason I make them is Strictly for the joke, because I make like a, a hot batch in the crock pot, really hot, and then like a barbecue batch. Well, everybody loves them. So okay. now I have something over them. So each year when it comes to Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, wherever we're going to be gathering for food, mm-hmm. I refuse to make them unless they say, I want Stephen's balls in my mouth. Yes, so, Stephen, and we yes. all know how much you love balls. Everybody has to say that, and then I agree to make them. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind for the future. So, okay, um, a couple of shows ago, we talked about how the um, uh, Avril Haynes, who pretty much oversees all of the um, um, 
intelligence agencies in the United States. And she has gone on record as saying that people are seeing things in the sky, including our military. We really don't know what they are. Right. So she said that. I mean, and she did go on further to say it could be something not of this world, which is which is great. You know, finally, our government is saying, you know what, we may know something and it may not be human after all. It may be from another world. So and I found this found this the other day and I sent it to you. And it is a defense officials announce new UFO task force. Yes. Now, before I get to reading this, you know, giving I, I want to give a little bit of history to our uh, to our listeners. And I'm, I'm sure that many of them already know. But from 1952 to 1969, the United States government ran a secret project called Project Blue Book. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this was run by uh, Dr. J. Allen Hynek. And they pretty much just sort of wandered around the United States, making everybody look like the biggest bozos and yahoos. Um, that you could possibly think of made them made many people who saw UFOs or experienced UFOs either to be liars, addicts of some kind, or just out to hoax. Correct. And that's that's not the case. I'm sure that was the case with a lot of those, but not the case with all of them. Um, thankfully, uh, J. Allen Hynek became a believer later on and stopped with the whole trying to disprove and debunk everything and had a little bit more of an open mind. But now, many years after the end of Project Blue Book, um, it says here in this article, Washington is stepping up efforts to probe I, – I think it's hilarious that they would use that word um, – to probe a possible alien activity after officials admitted they could not explain the phenomena of UFO sightings. The Department of Defense is rolling out a new group tasked – with finding and identifying UFOs and restricted airspace, officials said this was last Tuesday before Thanksgiving. The new outfit comes after the intelligence community verified a series of unexplained aerial phenomena sightings by military earlier this year, but said it could not identify the mysterious vehicles in a report to Congress detailing the government's knowledge of UFOs. This new organization is called the Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group. Our government just <laughs> loves, loves making up, you know, long things. You know, why can't they just say, you know, we're looking into weird shit that's flying through the air? Right. I think that would be a lot funnier and a lot more appropriate. So the group will succeed the Navy's Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. An arm of the military started last year to improve its understanding of and gain insights into UFOs, according to a press release. Incursions by any airborne object into our SUA pose safety of flight and operation security concerns and may pose, and this is where it all counts, ladies and gentlemen, may pose national security challenges. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So, Stephen, as I always ask you, what do you think of this? This is... This is remarkable, if not extraordinary. Well, I tell you what I think of this, Rick. Um, first off, as a side note, I have always said we would be arrogant as a species to believe we are the only intelligent creature in this vast universe. There are right. other things out there, man. Now, this is what I think with 
the super ultra interstellar amazing task force that has been created. Uh, it's damage control. Yeah. It is so damage too. control because it's come out now that, that the government is acknowledging the fact that they do exist. So now they've, they've got to think, okay, remember War of the Worlds when people actually thought this shit was going on back in the 50s? With that radio mm-hmm. broadcast, people panicked, man. They were boarding up their houses. There were riots, and it was just a, you know, a fake news broadcast. Well, now right. it's come out like, hey, we know they're there. So, in order to kind of give the the people of our planet this warm, comfy blanket of security, we're creating a task force so you know that we're on it. So that just gives people the feeling like, okay, they've got it under control. So that's what mm-hmm. I think. It came out. It was announced. People heard it. People are talking now. Well, what's the government going to do? What's the government going to do? In comes the task force. Right. right. The task force has already been there. It has been there for decades and decades. It may have not have been called the task force, but it's been there. It's just it's been me- called many different right. things. It's just the men in black, whatever you want to call it. It's just now they're acknowledging the fact. Right. That's what I feel. See, and you also say the damage control, too. You know, people, they're, you know, boarding their shit up, um, you know, moving to remote places, whatever, because they're afraid that um, aliens are going to come down and completely wipe us off the face of the earth. But here's the thing. If we are dealing with a... um, civilization a culture society what have you that is light years ahead of us if they wanted to destroy us they would have done it by now i agree i agree and i noticed too uh, i saw in the news that canada's population is rising because people are fleeing to canada from all over the world because pretty much everybody knows anything with any you know form of intelligence is not going to be going to canada you know, and and I and I can say that because we've only got one listener from from Canada, and that's Terry. So, so please send all hate mail to Terry Koenig. Yeah, that's uh, that is Koenig one at gmail dot com. Right. So you know this is this really it very much is a developing story, and the thing is, it's like you know people are always like, oh, the government knows too much, man, and they're keeping it away from us. But I say, and I've always believed this. I think the government covers these things up because they are just as in the dark and ignorant about what it is that we're dealing with. They have no idea. Well, I I would say, to be fair, they know more than we do. But I I think it's they cover it up because they don't want mass panic. Could you imagine Mm -hmm. everybody on the earth at the same time just going into chaos mode. Oh, yeah. we destroy ourselves, man. There'd be no control. It'd be out of the government's hands. Right. You know, and that's, I think that really is the reason for all the cover-ups. Yeah. Well, I've oftentimes said, and I've said for many years, that, you know, everybody always wants, well, we want disclosure. We want disclosure. We want the government to say, yes, these things absolutely exist. But like you said, with the panic mode, mm-hmm. man, we can't even get along with our own kind. We mm-hmm. can't even get along with our own neighbor because they're gay or a different color than us, or we don't like their religion. We can't even get along with our own species. 
how in the hell are we going to get along with something that has followed an entirely different social and physical evolutionary path than we have? It's just we're, we're not ready for this. And the thing is, Rick, we have witnessed this every year. Anytime there, there, there's the threat of a hurricane, you've got people running to the grocery store. They don't care about you. They're buying up all the bread and milk for whatever reason that does to help you. You know, buying all the bottled water. You see these assholes lined up at the gas station. The last gas crisis we had, people with pickup trucks filling, you know, gallon containers, five-gallon containers, just filling up the back of their trucks, not even caring that you're waiting behind. They don't care if you get it. Yeah. And these are just little things. Right. Okay. Now, if something really happens where, hey, the aliens are coming, imagine what it's really going to be like. Right. We see that people don't give a shit already at the mm-hmm. simplest of things. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and really, I mean, yeah, we live in a very technologically advanced society. We have, you know, we're coming at you through the Internet right now. But let's face it, humans still engage in tribal warfare. Oh, yeah. And we are just, we are absolutely not ready yet to say, yeah, come on down, aliens. That would be awesome. You know, we we want to be pals. Bring us into the Intergalactic Federation or, you know, whatever the hell it is that you guys do. We're just, we're, we're clearly not ready for that. I agree. Well, look, Rick, let's take a quick break. And when we come back... We're going to be coming back with special guest Gail Stibbets. Stibbs. Nah, Stibbets. I'm going with Stibbets. You go with Stibbs. Okay. I'm going Episodium, and you're going with Epidermis or whatever, you know. Wolf. Epidermis, paranormal. We're talking to the source today, Rick. We're going to find out. Is it Stibbs? Is it Stibbets? Is it Episodium? Is it Epidesium? We're going to find out. People want to know. Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk is now available on iTunes, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and many more. To contact the hosts, visit www.shadowinitiativetv.com or email them at shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com. That's shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We now return to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with your hosts, Rick Hale and Stephen Lancaster. All right, my friends, welcome back to the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with ghost hunter and author and thorn in my side, Rick Hale. And of course, myself, ghost hunter and author Stephen Lancaster. Today, we are sitting with Gail Stibbets. She is the administrative director and investigator at Epicedium Paranormal Group. And they service the northern and central New Jersey area and also parts of Pennsylvania, Rick. And you can visit them online at epicediumparanormal.org. Gail has been interested in the paranormal since her childhood because like most of us, she had some encounters with some ghostly phenomena, which I'm sure we're going to talk to her about. And this this next part, Rick, is, is... I'm very, very curious. Her true passion is to help all souls, living and dead, both man and animal. Animal? Now, that, that's, that, that is a new one. Yes, that, that is, is unique, my friend, and we are going to be discussing that as well with Gail. While her interest in the paranormal started with connecting with loved ones who have passed, 
it is branched into how the angelic realm and our animal companions affect our world spiritually and psychically. Psychically. <laughs> you guys know what I'm saying. She believes that all souls can be helped through patience, understanding, and universal light. Rick, ladies and gentlemen, Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk welcomes Gail Stibbets to the show. Thank there you. We go. Welcome, Gail. <laughs> thank you so much. I, I'm honored to be with you gentlemen today. <laughs> thank you. You're honored to have you. Yes, we are. So, Gail, let, let's get started. You know, we, we like to start with, um, you know, every superhero has their origin story. <laughs> and, you know, we've all, in, in the world of the paranormal, it seems like we all have something similar in common. It was something that happened to us as a kid. So why don't, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so I can't say my experience was anything too exciting. But, you know, when you're a child, they're still frightening, you know. Um, so we had just moved, my family moved from good old Brooklyn, New York to the suburban area of New Jersey, which was a culture shock all of its own. And we moved into a home and I kept seeing, you know, somebody kind of just watching me from my bedroom door. So I can't say it was like a single experience. It happened over the course of months where, uh, I saw somebody watching me from the hallway or even when I was in the bathroom, they would kind of peek their head in and, you know, I was lucky enough to have a mom who, you know, supported me and didn't poo-poo it off as like, oh, you know, you have an imaginary friend or anything like that. She eventually left. We kind of were under the impression that she was the one of the original occupants of the house who passed away there. And we probably just figured, you know, she was looking to see who's this family in my house. And when she saw that we were just kind of like a loving family making it a home, she was okay with it and passed on. But um, it always intrigues you. It plants that seed in your head, you know, so... Um, it's, it was a little scary at the time, but you know, I now know it was probably her just kind of watching us going, what you doing? This is my house. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I th- go ahead, Rick. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just gonna, I was just going to say, I mean, I think that that is the case. Um, the overwhelming majority of the cases that it really is somebody just that's sort of hanging out and wants to see what's going on. Absolutely. Yep. Most of the time they're just kind of hanging out being like what you doing they don't mean any harm they're just kind of you know they're bored and we entertain them <laughs> sure <laughs> so so okay you had this experience now now how did the rest you know the days to come what what happened after that is that when you started you know reading books on the paranormal you know where did you kind of go from that that uh, incident so at the time you know being a kid you don't think to kind of or at least I didn't think like, oh, there's this whole world out there I need to know about. It was more um, at the time something I would start watching television shows, kind of learn about it that way. Um, I went with my mom and my sister to a couple psychic mediums. We actually went to see, I don't know if you guys remember him, John Edwards. Mm -hmm. Um, He was huge at the time. He had a television show. So we went to a couple of his readings. And then it didn't really become a serious passion for me. I mean, it was always a passion and curiosity, but it didn't become a serious passion until I met um, one of the co-founders of Episidium, Brittany Phoebus. We were actually co-workers at the time. The two of us uh, just started chatting and she was like, hey, I'm part of this paranormal group, you know, would you want to come and meet them? And I actually went to their Christmas party. <laughs> and I was like, these people are cool. And they started telling me all these great stories and investigations they did and experiences they had. 
And I was just, I was hooked. I was like, I need to know more. And I think what really got me being a client-based team um, was how they helped people. Because, you know, a lot of people are watching these television shows and they make it seem like you walk in, you walk out, you do an investigation over the weekend and the job's done. And, you know, it, it really is so much more than that. And the impact you have on a client's life, like people are at their wits ends, you know, they're, their family thinks they're crazy or maybe, you know, they're, it's affecting their job, their finances. These are people who don't know where else to turn and learning how much you could help people through a client based team was like, wow, this is awesome. And then it just, as you guys probably know, it, it, you fall down the rabbit hole of books and research and talking with other people in the field and, your mind gets kind of blown as to how little you understood before. And it's so it kind of just exploded from there. <laughs> um, sure. Sorry. Sorry about that. Um, hang on one second. Steven, go ahead. Okay. I'm going ahead. This, is the, this is the best part when Rick <laughs> mutes his microphone. It's the best part of the show. So you and Brittany started the team. Now, how, how long has the team been around? So we actually started the team with the two other members, uh, Kimmy and Ron, and uh, we were all part of the same previous paranormal group. So we were with them a couple years, or they were with them longer than me. I was with them only about a year when we all decided, wow, we just drived really well. And mm-hmm. um, I think that is like at the core, one of the most important things when starting a team is really knowing and jiving, you know, the people who you work with, because that's such an important bond to have on investigations. So uh, we pro- we founded the team back in probably twenty late 2018, but we didn't launch until almost a full year later because we wanted to make sure that we had the proper training and procedures down before we could take on clients. So we've probably been around about two and a half years at this point. I admire that because a lot of people... They just, they watch the TV shows, they jump on Amazon, order their little ghost hunting kit, get their t-shirts made, stand like they're in a metal band, get their pictures taken, and and, (laughs) yeah, just like Rick's doing now, you know, and then they're off to the races imitating Zach Baggins, you know, so I I really appreciate what you just said, because Rick's like-minded, I'm like-minded, and I, I really like the fact that you guys were ready to do this, but you decided to kind of take that time to educate yourself and learn the thing instead of coming out and saying you're an expert, like, Mm -hmm. like so many people often do. Right. And, you know, we also wanted to hear other people's points of view because they had all been with the same team for a few years and they did things a certain way. And I'm not saying there was anything wrong with that, but there's other ways and techniques to learn. So we wanted to make sure we talked with other people, trained with other people, kind of figured out what we thought might be the best way to proceed because you can't, you can't take one solution to every paranormal problem. And I think that's what a lot of the TV shows kind of make you think you can walk in, do an investigation over a weekend, figure out who's there and how to, you know, how to talk to them and then you're done. And that's not, typically the case you know you can be on a case months or even years sometimes investigate several times and sometimes it doesn't even matter who's there the bigger question is why they're there and that's how you find a solution 
Right. And, you know, I, I just wanted to, uh, you know, go back to what you were talking about, the, the kind of people that you work with. You know, it's great and everything to have the T-shirts and, and the, uh, you know, the badass metal stands and all that. And, <laughs> but it really comes down to the people that you work with. Like me, for example, I've been told that I'm a snob because I am very choosy with whom I, you know, do this with. I'm not, I don't want to go out there with somebody who says that they're psychic, but turns out to be an amazing Yahoo and just a complete bozo. So I really like that you said that, that it, that it's, it's, it really is the people that you work with that is so much more important than the gear that you work with. Well, yeah. Because, I mean, you you are relying on these people to have your back, you know? It's kind of like firefighters walking into a burning building. You never know when the flames are going to come shooting at you. And you need mm-hmm. people there you can trust to get you out of the way if needed. Or to at least recognize if something seems off. Like, we, when you're in these situations, the smallest little red flag can indicate that somebody's being affected by whatever's there. The sure. slightest change in personality... So it's really important to know and trust the people you're with because that's what's going to clue you in to, okay, I think we need to take a break, go outside, ground ourselves, recenter a little bit, gather our mentality before we go charging back in. <laughs> right. Well, see, in your case, it's, it's kind of cool because you, you kind of knew who you were working with, you know, where, and it's very important. Rick and I talk about this all the time. Um, a member of your team could completely destroy you. You know, mm-hmm. if they, they robbed a client or, or, you know, I do complete background checks on people who apply to work with me, you know, mm-hmm. cause you, last thing I want is some pedophile going into some house with me, you know, cause that ultimately comes back on you and your group and it will never go away. Thanks to the internet. Sure. <laughs> oh, that's on yeah. forever. It's, it's, oh, yeah. it's forever. So you've got your group, You've got your name, and both Rick and I, sadly, as the phenomenal authors that we are, actually had to look up that word, <laughs> which we think is which we think is really cool, though. You know that the whole requiem kind of thing. And I was just thinking because I was looking at your shirt, if you came up with a word in the middle that started with V, it would be EVP. That would be Bam. cool. <laughs> Why didn't we think of that? Well, ooh, maybe if we take the dove, because we have a little dove in our logo, and maybe turn him so his wings are like this, and it looks like a V. There you go. Oh. Right. Very <laughs> Fantastic. Clever. That would be awesome. <laughs> well, look, we're going to take a, a, our first commercial break. Guys, we are talking with Gail Stippets. It's been a great time. We're going to keep talking to Gail Stippets. And Rick, unfortunately, is going to keep talking. But you guys, check out these commercials, and we will be right back. Do you have proof of the paranormal? Want to see your story and evidence showcased on our show? Email shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com with questions, comments, your paranormal stories, evidence of the paranormal, or just anything you'd like to see on our show. Your story and evidence may appear on Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV. That's shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com. You are listening to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with authors and ghost hunters Stephen Lancaster and Rick Hale.
And welcome back to the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with your hosts, Stephen and Rick. Uh, we are very lucky to be joined today with by Gail Stibbets of Epicedium Paranormal. See, Stephen, I can say that right, correctly, right, right off the bat. Thank you. <laughs> so, you know, Gail, you talk about um, pets, pet spirits. That's not something that you oftentimes hear about. And I have a quick story before I want you to, you know, before you answer anything like that. Um when our son was about, he was about a year old, he got bit by our dog. She was a Jack Russell Terrier, and, you know, she was our baby until our actual baby came along. Um, now, I had to put the dog down because of it. She had bitten him twice, and I was like, we can't have that. Because mm-hmm. as we all know, you know, Jack Russell Terriers are very territorial. And... um For a couple of weeks afterwards, I worked at nights back then, and I would feel Zero. Zero was her name. She was named after the dog in in, um, Nightmare Before Christmas. I would feel her jump onto the bed with me and snuggle up down by my legs. And um, I never really thought of it before that there are ghost animals. For sure. Yeah. How, how often do you come across this kind of phenomena? And give us some background on it as well. Sure. Um, I think it's a lot more common than people realize. They just don't recognize it. Um, you have to think if living things can become spirits. I mean, that has to include everything, every living thing. I mean, I think the important part there is the connection. So what leaves spirit behind, right, is that connection you have with someone who you left behind. So you might not necessarily see like a lot of farm animals, ghosts wandering around because there was no connection, human connection there. In my opinion, this is all, as we all know, speculative and theoretical. Um, But I, I think it's highly important to recognize that connection between especially pets and humans. So I started researching animal spirits because I felt super connected with animals. And Mm -hmm. I came across a few books where, you know, you have your animal communicators, people who can speak to animals who have passed, supposedly. And I found it super intriguing. And I was researching a lot about how animals kind of have that more instinctual connection to not only people, but the earth in general. Um, They kind of have, I don't know if you guys, you know, notice this but a lot of times with pets when they know their time is coming that they're going to pass they they know they might curl up in a corner somewhere or like in the wild they'll go under a tree they understand the circle of life a little bit more so it's not uncommon potentially for them to be left behind um i had a similar story to yours rick in that um the first cat i owned me personally i of course growing up we had pets um you know with my family, but I adopted Mm -hmm. a cat and I moved out and I had bought a house. It was just me and him. He was my roommate. He wasn't my pet. He was my roommate. And when I would come home, he was like a dog. Only he was a cat. He would greet me (laughs) at the door. (laughs) And unfortunately I had also put him down. He had a lot of health issues. I wound up selling the house. And before I sold the house, I cleansed it with smudging and I, said to him out loud as I was smudging the house, if you're still here, you don't have to stay here. You can either move on, you know, cross over, or if you want, come with me. I'm moving. Just come with me. I wound up moving into where I am now, and 
that evening, I felt the same thing you did. I felt him jump into the bed with me and kind of pull at the sheets a little bit. That's how he used to wake me up in the morning when he wanted to be fed. He would claw at the sheets because he knew it would get me up because I would be like, stop putting holes in my sheets, right? Yeah. And that's what I actually felt and heard that. I felt and heard him doing that. And I since then have had several other animals in my home. I have two living cats now, but I also have one ghost cat in my house who I named Ember. And it's really cool because I actually see my two living cats play with him from time to time. Like, Mm -hmm. I'll see my one cat actually hopping sideways like he's playing at something, and I'll feel him rub up behind me and my calves. Sure. And I can't necessarily say investigatively we've run into that a lot with animals, but certainly personally and our clients have experienced that with pets and animals that have passed on. Right. Um, So I find it's really important to understand and recognize that connection just like you would with a living deceased person, not living deceased, but you know what I mean? <laughs> so that would, ex- I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, you didn't go ahead. Okay. So I was going to say, well, that, that explains why you don't see, um, you know, brontosaurus ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hanging out in your backyard or whatever. So it's it's got to be that, it's got to be that connection. Um, but now, with living animals, living animals appear to also be very aware mm-hmm. of spirits. Um, at an, I, I know you've I know you've had this happen to you too, Steve. Um, at an investigation a number of years ago, um, we were told that there was a spirit that had followed a woman home. She was a nurse. It was two spirits, actually. It was, a, it was a father and his daughter who were killed in a car accident, and they followed her home. She was a nurse, and she was psychic. So they, you know, like I said, they followed her. And we're doing an EVP session. All of a sudden, we see the dog, and he is acting like he is playing with someone. Like, legit, there was no doubt whatsoever he was acting like he was being pet. He was acting like something was going you know, trying to get him to stand up, and that's what he's doing. Now, what, why do you think that animals are so sensitive to the spirit realm? I think there's kind of a twofold answer to that. Um, the first being more of the scientific end of things, which kind of coincides with our equipment that we use, is that animals, especially cats, have a broader uh, spectrum that they're able to see with. So you got, you know, how we use IR cameras, you know, full spectrum cameras. They have that ability without a camera to see different, you know, beyond what the human eye can see. So there's that. They're also much more sensitive to frequencies and vibrations. If you notice, whenever an earthquake is about to hit, the animals are running out the woods before we even feel the ground shaking. So they're much more attuned scientifically and biologically to those different vibrations and light frequencies. Now, spiritually, you can also say, like I uh, stated earlier, they're also much more connected intuitively to the earth, right? So they understand that cycle of life a little bit more. And I think they recognize it more so than we do, because as human beings, we rationalize everything away. You know, we always try to find a reason for something. And animals are more intuitive in that respect. Like, they don't rationalize things. They just go with their gut, what their gut's telling them. And if their gut's telling them, like, there's a bro over there in the corner of this room, and I don't like him, 
you'll see them kind of backing away and cowering or even growling at something. And even when we do a case, a client case, we have several questions on our questionnaire that we send to the client before we even get to the home that pertain to pets. Do you have any pets in the home? Have they been affected? Like what changes in their behavior have you seen? Because they, they don't know how to rationalize. They just trust. They trust what they feel around them. Well, Gail, you, you have said a few things that really hit home with me. Um, you and I are a lot alike in this department. Um, for decades, I have been saying the ability to see spirits, ghosts, whatever you want to call them, um, has a lot to do with your own sight. And I've, I've said the same thing about animals. They view things a lot differently than we do. You know, I have a rare color blindness. It's very rare. It's a small percentage of people have it. And I, I can swear to you that I will see something nobody else will see. Now, not necessarily in the paranormal, but just in general. Mm-hmm. And I believe that with animals, I have for, oh, God, Rick, probably what, this past seven years, I have a trained, I have seven dogs. I love animals. Yeah. And I have one that's trained. He's Tank. Yeah, he's, he's my best buddy. And he has his own rig. Okay, he's got his vest. It's, of course, it's got some food and stuff in there for, for me. And then he's got like um, a head a head cam. That Bojangles for you, right? Bojangles. <laughs> he's got a, a head cam that he wears. So I get the, the, um, the view of the investigation through his eyes. What did he look at? What did he stop at? And, yeah. and I, it's given me chills. I can remember I was working a case up in uh, northern Virginia for, for the mayor of this particular town. And there was something very dark in his basement. Um, we could talk all day about this case, but I tried to take Tank down there. And he just hit the brakes right at the top of the steps. This is a dog who, who is a Bernice Mountain dog. Okay, He's not afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. It's a big dog. He except going down those stairs, and he cowered and got in between my legs, shaking. I I tried pulling him; he would not go. So he could sense something that, yeah, we kind of felt. Yeah, it's dark. It's scary. That's our mind kind of making it scary. But we're not feeling that like like he was. He there's like no way, dude. Am I going mm-hmm. down there? You know. Mm-hmm. So have you guys ever have you or or have you ever considered? Um, Obviously, I can't take Tank on every case. It's really up to the client if they're okay with me bringing him. Mm-hmm. Um, but have you you guys ever thought about that using animals? Um, I don't. I don't think we've ever thought to use our own. So that's actually a great idea. Obviously, we pay uh, very close attention to the client's pets because they're the ones in that environment and being affected. Uh, we've had a few cases where dogs in particular, like cats tend to <laughs> be a little bit more aloof. Like if they're being affected, they just leave the room like, whatever, I'm I'm leaving this Cats place. are assholes. <laughs> yeah. They are, but that's why Especially I love them. Especially my cat. <laughs> I have two of them. And let me tell you, I tell them all the time, I'm like, you guys are jerks. But um, they're very protective as well, at least in my opinion. So I'm like, you know, I'll keep you as long as you keep the baddies out of the house. <laughs> But um, no, that's a great idea. And actually, we have a, um, a member of our team who actually has a canine dog at home. I wonder if we could utilize that in a way on future cases. <laughs> that would be cool. That'd if be really if cool. you do, I can send you the specs of the rig <clears throat> that I built for Tank. Yeah. Uh, you know, just because so, it wasn't easy to mount a head cam to a dog's head. 
<laughs> so I can help you out with that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great idea, though. You know, I think I think Taps did that um, on television a number oh. of years ago, where they brought a dog on the show a few times, and you know, he had some reactions, and uh, you know, it was cute. I mean, like I, I'm a dog lover, so it's like I see a dog, and it's like, oh, you're so adorable. But um, yeah, you know, pets definitely they have that that sense and. You know, they don't care trying to rationalize it all the way. No, they don't. That's why it's it's unbiased. It's pure. So, like, as a cl- you can have a client that just thinks they see something and then goes, oh, you know, whatever, something's in my eye. But then they look down and they see their dog staring at the same spot, and it actually validates it for them. Like, oh, my God, sure. he's seeing that same thing, so I can't be crazy. It almost, like, helps them to recognize when something's actually happening. That's very cool. Well, look, we're going to take another quick break, jump to commercial, shove down your throat the fact that many of you out there have not bought Rick's books or my (laughs) books. So you're going to hear a commercial all about it. So you guys stick around. Do you enjoy reading about the paranormal? Check out the highly rated literary works from us, the hosts of Shadow Initiative TV. Paranormal investigator Rick Hale offers you the Geek's Guide to the Strange and Unusual, Poltergeist, Ghosts, and Demons, Bullets, Booze, and Babes, The Haunted History of Chicago and Illinois, and Behold, Shocking True Tales of Terror, and some other spooky stuff. But if you're thirsty for more, I bring you True Case Files of a Paranormal Investigator and Dark Spirits, a Man Terrorized by the Supernatural. But if you want to go even further, dive deep into the dark reality of haunted dolls. Check out my paranormal bestsellers, Norman, the doll that needed to be locked away. And Norman 2, the true story of a possessed doll's revenge. Available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever fine books are sold. We now return to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with your hosts, Rick Hale and Stephen Lancaster. All right, guys, welcome back to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk, episode 31 with Rick Hale and Stephen Lancaster. You guys, you know me, obviously, from all of my television appearances and uh, all the just amazing things that I've done. And, Always uh, rubbing in my face, aren't you there, pretty boy? What? <laughs> you know, I'm glad you said that, pretty boy, because that brings me to a question I have for Gail. Gail, you know... Um. I see that uh, you're the administrative <laughs> director of your group. Now, did you give yourself that title? No, no, I did not. We kind of all got <laughs> together and decided who wanted to be what. Um, In your mother effing face, <laughs> F1. <laughs> I was saying that to Steven, not to you, Gail. Hey, I was cool with it either way. It's, it's fine. <laughs> well, we have, we have a thing here at Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk where we're against people self-proclaiming stuff oh okay dead against it yeah we were actually advised we should have roles and titles so we came together and kind of decided who wanted to be what <laughs> well it, it, it's honestly something you need to do it it, it shows professionalism it shows organization mm-hmm. you know as i i used to laugh at some of these websites when you would go check out you know paranormal group a and they have all these pictures. One guy's holding a beer. You know, I mean, nobody has any real titles or anything. 
Yeah. It, it's I think it's where they kind of go overboard with it, and they start throwing out that word expert. Yeah. And, Ooh, love expert. Yes, expert. The, you know. Yep. But having, you know, being organized and, and having a system, like you should have a tech guy or gal. You know, mm-hmm. there should be somebody that's what they specialize in. You know, you Definitely. should have a case manager. You know, somebody who's handling all. You should have a PR person. You know, mm-hmm. somebody that's going to handle that aspect. So let, let's start talking about some of your investigations. Like, the let, let's start with the first one. The first investigation like, where were you in your head when you went to that investigation versus now? Like, what did you walk away learning from that? Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. The first investigation I did, um, I walked in there. I was still training. And I have to say, I did not have enough of it. <laughs> so I walked in there, not necessarily even with... Um, like the equipment or whatnot, a lot of that you kind of learn as you go. It was more of the how to navigate certain situations and protect yourself in certain situations. Um, The first case I did, you know, I was still a newbie, obviously. I was on a team at the time. So I can't say um, that the case was like a fun hunt or something like that that we did for a public investigation. It was more of a, it was a client investigation. And I walked away from that knowing like, wow, I still have a lot to learn here because there was a not so nice entity there and I was not prepared to walk into that. Um, so unfortunately I can't say my best, my first investigation, <laughs> it went well for the client. Right. For me, it was a, it was a reality shock. Well, what, and I think- what caught you off guard? Like what, when you say you weren't prepared for that. Like what, what happened? So the entity there was there for a long time. It was not nice. It had definitely learned how to manipulate the things around it. So I unfortunately, you know, was being told by the senior members of the team, like, Oh, you know, picture the white light around you do this, do that. And, it's kind of hard to do that for the first time <laughs> when you've never done it before. Um, and I have to say that um, it definitely taught me as a founder of this team that I'm, of Epicedium, we don't let our investigators go on any client-based cases until they've taken extensive training. And the number one oh, training that good. they take is psychic protection training. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. that was that was pertinent. I don't want to give too much information because it was a client-based investigation, so I don't want to sure. give like too many specific details. But um, it, it it definitely was um, dangerous, and so, I think a lot of people don't realize that. So was this a human spirit? Was this just some yeah. crotchety old human spirit that's like, hey, get the hell out of my house? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, he had definitely been there since before the house was there. I think he was more attached to the land. And I think that's why he was stuck in the basement because he couldn't get upstairs because that house wasn't there when he li- lived on the land. Okay. Um, he was just a nasty man from what the psychic medium on the team was saying. He, like, cut the testicles off of a horse at one point when it didn't behave correctly. Like, that kind of thing. Am I allowed to nice. say that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. We say far worse on this show, like so, balls. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's funny because the psychic medium kept 
like getting this like you know inclination to pick up like there was balls on the floor like pl- like you know like to play with and it was because the thing was like taunting her <laughs> yeah that sounds so bad now that you say it like that you know like you're so toys. goddamn in- immature Steve. <laughs> kids toys kids toys sure yeah that's what i was thinking <laughs> You know, Gail, you you got my brain turning here now. You you said something that I've never heard anybody say before. Uh, psych, talk to us about this psychic training. I mean, is that like Cobra Kai? Like, what <laughs> what happens here? Is a strike first, strike hard? You know, no mercy. What's what's going on with that? Explain that. Protection, man. You got to protect yourself from even if a a human or non human entity has no ill will towards you. That doesn't mean that they can't affect you in a way, right? So you you got to protect your energy. You got to protect your mind. So sure. it's different for everybody because it all depends on what you believe in, which is the same thing with our clients. Our solutions are always client-oriented based on what they believe in because they're the most important key to any solution. Um, so psychic protection could be anywhere from visualizations, like a white light, to wearing a cross necklace if you're Christian, or, you know, crystals. A lot of people wear crystals. They find protection in, through um, crystals, religious beliefs, cultural beliefs. I mean, if you're Native American, you know, you have your totems you can rely upon. Um, and it's really all about not only the psychic protection of yourself, but recognizing when the people around you might be start to be affected as well. Because like we talked about before, if you don't know the people on your team that you're walking into an investigation on, you won't be able to understand when they start acting wonky because it's the smallest little changes. So that's part of it as well. Well, I can definitely say that, I mean, I've experienced it. Uh, I, some of my colleagues have experienced it in really negative situations, that feeling of being, being drained, uh, your personality changing, just feeling awful, mm-hmm. depression, uh, to anger, that kind of thing. But I, I'm, I got to play devil's advocate a little bit, just out of curiosity, mostly. Um, mm-hmm. I completely get what you're saying, but do you find that? How 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 can I word this? Do you find like? I'll put it to you like this: I, I took a case up in Seven Springs, and the family believed uh, in like using salt and stuff like that in in, their, in practices. And my head invest- investigator said, I'll go get some sea salt and I will make a ring around this house. Now, to me, I didn't see a problem with it. It's not going to hurt anything. If it makes the client feel better that we did that, that's fine. I said, yeah, go right ahead. It's not going to hurt anything. But do you think that's the right approach in every situation? Because that's essentially you're giving validity to everything. It's more like. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's more like the power of suggestion or the power of belief. Is that kind of what Mm -hmm. you're getting at? Yeah. So in that case, I wouldn't say the salt did anything. I would say the client's belief in the salt is what helped, you know? So, and that's why we gear all of our suggestions to the clients towards their belief system. It's the intent that is the most important part of helping them figure out what they need to do. Because... Any, if, if an entity senses any doubt or crack in potentially what you're suggesting to them from the client, they'll be able to break through that. So you need to be able to find something that the client believes in so that they can wholeheartedly move forward with that. And I think that's why our questionnaire that we give our 
clients is so extensive. It, honestly, I think it scares some people away from using us as a team because they look at our questionnaire and they're like, oh my God, these people like want to know my entire life. And we're like, well, if you, we can either do it quick or we can do it right. We don't do it quick. We're doing it right. And to do it right, we need to know you. We need to know your life. We need to know what you're about. We ask some personal questions like, do you have an alcohol problem? Do you have a drug use problem? What kind of prescription medications are you on? You know, And it's not because we're going to report them to the cops. Quite the opposite. We are 100% confidential and private. But it's because we need to know these things to figure out how to help you. Sure. So, yeah, the salt didn't do anything. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've learned that uh, I've learned over the years that two things actually work. One, being completely dispassionate, like having absolutely no emotional attachment whatsoever to the investigation. Mm-hmm. Like you are there merely as an a, as an observer and a person gathering evidence. Anything else is just purely for ratings. Mm-hmm. I think that Stephen would agree on that. I, I do agree. Go ahead, Rick. And two, um, I have actually removed people from their home and told them, this is your home. Mm-hmm. You bought this. You live here. You have your life here. You are the boss. And you have to make them know, and you have to make it known to them, if you do have something in your home, you are the boss. They are not. They're going to live by your rules. And I've been very, very – I shouldn't say I've been successful – but the client has been very successful as that. Yeah. Claim your space. Own your space. Right. Now, don't do it necessarily disrespectfully. Don't walk in like you see on the TV, get out of my house. Like oh, no, people might not. not even know that they're annoying you, you know? Sure. But you have to make it known like, hey, I know that like you lived here before, but this is my home now. If you want to hang out, you can do it respectfully, respect my boundaries, respect my home. If I'm mm-hmm. sleeping, don't bother me. Go sit in the living room, you know? Yeah. Um, but be, at, at least be, be assertive without being an asshole. Now, have you, have you came across a case where, like, immediately when, when you started talking about this, I'm going to tell you where my head went, mm-hmm. okay? My head went towards an exorcism. Okay. Now my, my degrees in psychology and 99% of the time that person is not possessed. They have a mental illness. Now mm-hmm. would, would I recommend because the people believe they're, they're Catholic and they believe that their child needs an exorcism. Would I recommend that? No, no. Mm-hmm. Cause that could do more harm than good. So mm-hmm. do, have you found that it's really just a case by case thing. Like, yeah, they may believe this, but in this particular situation, we need to kind of lean them more this way. Yeah. So we actually have a flag system for our cases. Green and yellow flag cases are kind of your Casper cases, like we call them, your your standard cases. I like that. That's cute. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, red and black are more serious cases where you could potentially have either a non-human entity, perhaps there was violence or some kind of sexual assault to the client. Those we actually send to another team who specializes in negative cases. And that is probably my number one suggestion to any new team. If you don't know what you're doing, don't try. If you are not a professional who knows how to perform any kind of cleansing or, or exorcism, don't try because you'll just make it worse. Find a reputable mm. team 
who knows what they're doing. Not that I don't think we potentially couldn't handle it, but that's not what we specialize in, you know? So we have a team that we trust and we say, these people can help you. Leave the ego at the door. I am not that person that will walk in your home and be like, I can solve every problem. No, just like your general practitioner isn't going to say, I can perform heart surgery on you. They send you to a specialist for that. Right. And I think that's what people need to keep in mind. I wish more yeah. people felt that way because you don't hear that a lot because of ego. Mm-hmm. They, they they want their footage and they want it, it, it. That's not even about the client to most people. It's about what they think they're going to be able to show other people from the case, you know. And sure. so I, I admire that um, with you and your team. But let's take another break, Rick. Gail, we're having a blast here on Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk. And we will be right back. Do you have proof of the paranormal? Want to see your story and evidence showcased on our show? Email shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com with questions, comments, your paranormal stories, evidence of the paranormal, or just anything you'd like to see on our show. Your story and evidence may appear on Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV. That's Shadow Initiative TV at gmail.com. You are listening to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with authors and ghost hunters Stephen Lancaster and Rick Hale. She's alive. And welcome back to the Shadow Initiative with your hosts, Stephen Lancaster and myself, Rick Hale. We are still speaking with Gail Stibbets of Epicidium Paranormal. Thank you so much, Gail, for sticking around for another segment. Yeah, I'm having fun, guys. Fantastic. Um, you know, I, I just kind of wanted to go along with what, you know, Stephen was talking about before. It's It, it really is a, um, it's being professional, not an expert, because I think that word expert comes in when the ego comes in and like i said anything other than just sheer professionalism is for ratings and i really do appreciate that you guys are out there in new jersey being professional it's nice to know that there are more people out there yeah we try (laughs) speaking of new jersey i lived in new jersey for a little bit you know i can kind of hear it in your voice a little bit but you really don't have a thick jersey accent are you from there you're thinking i well i was born in brooklyn and uh, you don't really hear my Brooklyn accent either unless uh, – if you ever hear my Brooklyn accent, I'll, I'll warn you guys of this. You should probably leave the room because oh, that's when I'm really angry. Oh, you're going to throw <laughs> down. All right. That's when I'm like, oh, we going out in the street. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, but I think most people, when they think of Jersey accents, they're th- either thinking of like the southern Jersey accent, which is kind of like a Philly accent, or mm-hmm. they're thinking of like I hate – the stupid show like the jersey shore show oh, because God. their accents they're from long island they're not even from New jersey <laughs> it's like get out of here yeah no i have i guess a northern jersey accent steven yeah, okay. <laughs> steven nails me all the time in my chicago accent like he makes fun of it my 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 wife makes fun of it you know the way how we say i guess it's garage but i say garage garage <laughs> you know or we're going down to the jewels and stuff like that. Anyways, yeah, accents you yeah. can you can cover them up or just keep going with them. Yeah. Well, if you guys ever get the pleasure of speaking with one of our team members, Ron, he has the South Jersey accent. We pick him 
pick on him for that all the time because we're like, what language are you speaking? <laughs> <laughs> well, Gail, I've got to ask because this is something we pretty much ask everybody. Um, you've you've been investigating for a while now, so I you know we've all got our. I think the investigations we can count on one hand that we just absolutely were so happy to be a part of or walked away with something great. Um, what's the one moment in any particular investigation, whether it be a personal experience or a piece of evidence, what was the, the wow moment for you? Um, I've had a few pretty cool moments. I really have. Um, it's funny because one of the first times – I kind of sat there going, what just happened was one of the first times I investigated with the co-founders of Paranormal, uh, Epicedium Paranormal, which was Kimmy, Ron, and Britt. And we were actually here in New Jersey at a place called White Hill Mansion. And that place is amazing. Like, if you ever have an opportunity to go there, I highly recommend it. But on the top floor of that location, there's some not-so-great things going on. Um it used to be on the top floor, I believe, like partially a brothel and, and all kinds of stuff went down there. Anyway, so this was my first time investigating with them. It was the four of us, and we just naturally gravitated to each other, which is always a good sign, right? When you just start naturally kind of like we found ourselves just flowing from room to room together. And we were in a back room, and Ron was like, I don't like it in here. I don't feel well. Britt and Kimmy were on the other side of the room looking at some fixture on the wall I don't even know like them too and their antiques they were like enamored by like a candle holder or something and I'm like I don't know what you guys are doing over there I, I would I I would be the same way I love that stuff yeah I mean it's cool but like literally you're in like this haunted historic mansion and you're looking at a candle holder but um so Ron's standing there he's like I don't feel good and then all of a sudden he got this look on his face and he like slammed into the wall behind him like he got hit over the head with something wow. and I was like, are you all right? And I was trying to call over Kimmy and Brittany and they were like, it's as if something blocked them out from being able to hear me. It was crazy. And I was just like, Ron, are you okay? And he was like, not even hearing me. And suddenly he just ran out the room and like down the stairs. And I finally got Kimmy and Brittany's attention. And I was like, guys, there's something wrong with Ron. And we went down there and we found him outside. And he looked at me like, so confused and I was like what are you doing and he was like didn't you just come down the stairs with me and I was like no you just ran out the room by yourself he goes no you were holding like my arm and you carried me down the stairs and I was like no sir I did not do that and then we found out later on by one of the hosts at the mansion that a man was beat over the head with a baseball bat up in that room oh, goodness and we had no idea and I was just like, that was cool validation. And to this day, Ron swears. He's like, you carried me down the stairs. I was like, I don't know who it was. Maybe it was like a female ghost of the house trying to help you and get you out of that that place. But it was not me. And that was really cool. And it was one of my first investigations with them. And it, and it um, I mean, we've been back several times since, and it doesn't disappoint. <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> Especially the top floor. Yeah, I love those places that uh, that I, I I do mostly homes um, when I do investigations, and uh, you know I've been back to several homes several times. Uh, there's a house in Lind uh, no, Lindenhurst, Illinois, which is right up by the Wisconsin border, 
and uh, been there three times. And every single time that that house never fails to amaze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the people, they love it. They have no problem living with the ghost with the ghost that they live with, which yeah, is fantastic. You can find that balance, you know. I think that's what a lot of clients don't understand is sometimes you don't really get rid of the spirit. You just learn to live with them and find that almost like roommate situation. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Gail, we have come to that time in our show that Stephen and I like to call shameless self promotion. So if you have anything that you're working on, if you have anything that you need to tell anybody, if you have anything that you want to talk about on your social media platforms, <laughs> it's time to do it and go. Oh, okay. So um, if anybody wants to check out our website, epicediumparanormal.org, you can find everything there. Uh, I think the thing we're most proud of and how we connected with you wonderful gentlemen is our Q&A sessions that we you can find on there or on our YouTube channel. And we really want you guys to check it out. We interviewed both of you. We also have a lot of other leading experts in the paranormal field. And I think our most um, exciting part about that experts is that um, the diversity of opinions and theories that you hear from people there. Like you can talk about the same topic and get three different answers and they, they're all like, yeah, I totally get it and I believe you. Um, our YouTube channel, we are revamping it. We're very proud. We're revamping it. We're in the works. So that should be coming out very soon. So please, everybody, subscribe, like, comment, all that fun stuff on the YouTube channel and our blogs. We have a lot of info on our blogs and our website. <laughs> fantastic. All right, Stephen, you got anything else for Gail? Did you just take my fantastic? Did you just use Did I? it? Oh. Yes, you're fantastic in hey, it now. I will <laughs> say extraordinary. How about that? Ah, How about a- that? Jeez. No, Gail, this has been awesome. Uh, We've been wanting to have you on. We're going to get Brittany down the road. Uh, We want to get her on as well. Um, The goal of this show is the conversation, exact conversation we just had with you today. You know, that those are the people that attract us, you know, not not the weekend warriors and the TV people. And, you know, we didn't get into the TV conversation with you because I think we pretty much know how you feel about the TV shows. Yeah, well, some of them, I mean, I think we can all attest to the fact that they're complete garbage. Um, There's a couple that aren't terrible. I would recommend... Yeah, I was in those. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Self-Proclaimed World Sexiest Ghost Hunter over there. There you go. Um, I I would say your basic paranormal... Some of the basic paranormal investigative shows still aren't the worst. Like, I, I think Kindred Spirits is one of my... I, I will call it my one of my least hated paranormal shows. <laughs> I have I, not watched that one. Oh, Amy, yeah, they're they're really great. They're really great. They actually, you could tell they actually care about the clients, which helps tremendously. I got a real quick story about Kindred Spirits. Ooh. Yeah, there was a team here locally way before the Kindred Spirits TV show. That was going by the name Kindred Spirits, and they had it for years. They had a Facebook page, the whole nine yards. And then that TV show came out, and they received a cease and desist, something that they had way before this TV show. Oh, wow. Yeah, isn't that something? I guess because it was copyrighted by the show, I guess. I guess so. Trademarked, I guess. But anyways, Gail, thank you so much, Gail Stibbets. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) <laughs> hopefully hopefully we haven't given away your location or anything for your stalker that's out there. <laughs> I don't 
a stalker. Well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I understand. I Generally can, weirdo. I can relate. I mean, I can relate. I I mean, Rick knows. He hears the stories all the time. Oh, yeah. I've got some horror oh. stories. I'll tell you about them later, Gail. It's, 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 it's scary. I want to know. <laughs> I want in. I want in on the inside scoop. <laughs> Steven has imaginary friends. <laughs> imaginary? <laughs> imaginary friends are people, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Gail, we're going to cut you loose. and uh, Awesome. I thank, appreciate it. Thank, thank you, you so much. Me. Thank you so much. It was fun. <laughs> Good. We'll be talking with you. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. So hey, thank you, everybody, for uh, listening to uh, Gail Stibbets on the show from Episodium Paranormal. She's a lot of fun. She has a lot of um, – uh, a lot of knowledge, very knowledgeable, especially when it comes to animal spirits. So, you know, thank you everybody so much for listening. And Stephen, thank you again for another great show. Yeah, absolutely. She was a great guest. Like-minded people, man. You got to love it. They're still out there. All right, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good week. And uh, we'll, we will uh, be, you know, talking to you soon. Thanks a lot again. All right, take care. Join Stephen Andrick on Facebook at facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative. That's facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative. <laughs>